Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in a snowy Ontario, Canada, with tons of snow out there. Quite interesting, in fact. And we have episode number 155 of the Yacking Show. And similar to the week before last or last week, can't remember, we have a repeat guest. We're very lucky to get a guest who was here about a year ago to talk on a very interesting topic, which Kathleen will tell you more about in the moment, in a moment. So first, let me welcome Kathleen, our co-host on the Yakking Show, and a quick reminder that Kathleen wears other hats, one of the most notable of which is her involvement in helping you solve your IT problems, either by recruiting specialists or uh, doing getting work done for you. So any problems in that area, get hold of Kathleen. And that's enough from me. Over to Kathleen. Oh, thank you so much for that, Peter. Appreciate it. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And we love reading your comments. So do please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have a special guest and she's been with us before because this is such an important topic. And um, her name is Jackie McMillan. Jackie, welcome to the show again. How are you? I'm delighted to be here and thank you so much for having me. So Jackie, you are the founder of Thrive with Autism. It's an organization that provides information about autism to the community. So for the benefit of those who didn't have the privilege of hearing previous show, can you please give us a little bit about your background and what led you into dedicating your life to autism awareness? Okay, so... Um... I, I have autism and I started out with some fairly significant challenges, uh, pronunciation challenges, um, pain, um, a lot of brain fog. I used uh, music to communicate instead of words because I didn't have the brain fuel to find my own words. Um, and uh, you know, uh, uh, dyslexia, a whole bunch of related neurological challenges to autism itself. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't diagnosed until my mid-20s, but I was very, very lucky because when I was 11 years old, I had one month at a wilderness summer camp in Northern Ontario, very, very clean place where nobody yelled at me for rocking back and forth canoeing all day. And I had... Uh, just an incredible amount of um, emotional stability. I never expected to see uh, cognitive gains. It was so much easier to learn. And I started to be able to decipher how people were interacting and being friends with each other. And then, uh, you know, my pain levels were going down and down and coordination was getting better. So many things were improving. And then within two days of leaving at the end of the month, all of those symptoms that had lifted so much just came back, back in on me. And what that did was it really alerted me to the, the, the idea that there might be things in my environment that were hurting me. And there might be things in my environment that were helping me. And if I could identify what those things were, I might be able to make better quality of life for myself. So I started experimenting one thing at a time, just identifying, okay, what can I try that might help? And, and I started learning because my first experiment was, okay, I did a lot of swimming. Let's hit the, the swimming pool, join the local synchronized swimming team and 
my symptoms got incredibly bad. Um, you know, digestion was horrible. I was coughing the way a great uncle had who'd been caught in the trenches in the First World War. Um, my skin was coming off in rolls. My allergies were through the roof. And I just thought, okay, I need to stop after this, after this one term. And, and, um, and, but during the term, I had the school library. And, and I'm looking it up in the encyclopedias and realizing, oh, chlorine gas was invented to kill soldiers in the trenches. Chlorine gas is concentrated at the top of the water. You're swallowing chlorine. You're absorbing it through your skin while you're in the pool. And they couldn't explain the impact that chlorine had on the body then. We know a lot more now because of microbiome studies. But at, you know, at that point in time, I started questioning, well, why is there chlorine in our water treatment systems and in our swimming pools? And, and started looking at, okay, what are my options? What are the things that I can do instead when I'm in toxic places? And it turned out there were five things that were causing the brain inflammation that is behind all learning and developmental challenges, not just autism. So it doesn't matter if you're looking at OCD or ADHD or bipolar or dyslexia or whatever it is. Um, what you're looking at is uh, gut dysbiosis. So the microbiome has gotten imbalanced. You're looking at uh, a high toxic body burden. So the metabolism can't work the way it's supposed to because things are clogged up and supplies are missing. The toxins are using them up. And the third is um, kind of an, an immune overwhelm situation where chronic infections set in and the body doesn't know how to kick them out. It just kind of gives up and is used to them. And the fourth is, um, oh, okay, let's see. Gut, immune, toxicity, uh, oh, stress trauma. Everyone in the, in the um, autistic spectrum and pretty well all kids who are dealing with some kind of learning or developmental challenge have come from environments that are a little bit more stressful than usual. And these environments are more stressful, not because you know, of what we normally assume is stress. You know, it's not, it's not emotional things and it's not trauma that's happened to you like car accidents and stuff. The body handles stress the same, no matter where that stress comes from. And so, even little things, the more little things that you add on, mm -hmm. the higher that pile gets and the less well you can handle any additional stress. So we're, we're dealing with a lifestyle right now that's, you know, it's very, very difficult for people to live within optimal ranges of tolerance for all of the things that support our health at present. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening right now is more and more children are failing to thrive more and more seniors are failing earlier and more and more working age adults are experiencing serious chronic health issues if not if not enough to to kill them enough to significantly diminish their quality of life 
So I'm curious about something before we go on to the next question, Peter. Jack, you mentioned a lot of these environmental factors that came up during your your stay at this camp, but I'm wondering, did you notice anything about foods, different foods that um, you may have noticed when you got back home? There are, excuse me, I've got a frog. There are 12 different uh, kind of uber categories of environment that have an impact on us. But when you talk to 80% of autism parents, they'll tell you that switching to an anti-inflammatory diet is by far the most effective intervention they ever tried. Mm-hmm. And most of them, you know, once they've realized that, they're sticking with that anti-inflammatory diet in whatever uh, modifications they find work for them and their family. Mm, interesting. interesting. Very mm. interesting. So, Jackie, you're the expert in this field. A lot of people have very limited knowledge about autism. It's something they've read about, heard about, increasingly so in the last perhaps 20 years, certainly from my experience. But many, many, and myself included, until I met you, don't know much about it. So, how would you describe autism just briefly for those? lay people out there who've never really come across it. Okay. So autism can start in utero or sometime in the first few years of life. And it's when, um, it's when enough things in the body get out of balance from where they should be, that inflammation starts to go haywire, starts to really, really get out of control. And when that happens, the inflammation gets into the brain. The same things that upset and make the gut blood barrier leaky are things that make the blood brain barrier mm-hmm. leaky. The blood brain, sorry, the blood brain barrier is one of the tightest um, membranes in the body in terms of screening out the tiniest things. And yet there are inflammatory compounds that can get across that barrier when the zonulin, when when the things that we are exposed to are aggravating membranes enough Mm -hmm. inside the body, those membranes can't function the way they're designed to function. And when you end up with those inflammatory compounds getting into the brain, the challenge is that many of the toxins we're exposed to right now are fat soluble. They're attracted to fat. And the brain is one of the highest concentrations of fat in the body. So it's a, it's a slow and steady process to identify, okay, which toxins have you been exposed to? Which ones is your body manufacturing? Because of course, you know, when you think about it, alcohol is a toxin, it's an intoxicant. And yeast, which is a chronic digestive issue through our, any, any culture that's eating a Western diet, mm-hmm. yeast goes chronic. And, 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 and so yeast, whenever it, it, it encounters something that's like a starch or a sugar, it immediately starts con- converting that to alcohol. alcohol. And then right. alcohol is causing all kinds of damage in the system. Okay. Mm. Interesting. So I, I've got to lead on from another one. If, if one had a, a perfect analytical system and could take someone with autism and, and immediately identify all of those stresses and toxins you're talking about, would all the symptoms be reversed straight away or not necessarily? So what I know is that um, 
the brain is infinitely repairable. Yes. But there are certain windows of time that it's most easy to learn and integrate particular things. And when you miss those windows, uh-huh. you develop differently. And so people with autism do develop differently. We're extremely literal minded, um, often very high integrity or not even knowing the difference between, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we're telling the truth and when we're not. And, um, and the, there's a systems design perspective that really gets reinforced. We're very good at going deep and narrow. We're very poor at going broad in terms of understanding what's going on around us. So we're excellent specialists and researchers, um, but we're not, we're not very good. If you, if you wanted somebody to be a politician, don't ask an autistic. (laughs) Right. You might get a more honest politician, of course, but uh... (laughs) one could wish for those. (laughs) Yes. Okay. No, thank you. That's, that's a good, good explanation. Okay. Back to you, Kathy. So Jackie, the last time we saw you, you described what biohacking was. Can you give us a little recap of what that is? Right. So biohacking is, is, There's a lot of research out there on the symptoms that autistics experience. And some of these are are called um, uh, comorbidities to autism. Mm -hmm. Things like, uh, I think it's between 60 and 90%, depending on the research study that's been done, 60 to 90% of autistics have obvious gut challenges. Mm. Um, Every autistic tested has a very high toxic body burden, but what those toxins are is different. And Mm -hmm. we all have impaired detoxification systems. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can look at the symptoms that you're experiencing and you can look at what has helped those system symptoms in the research. And that research may or may not have anything to do with the autism. And up until very recently, it didn't because autism has been defined as um, an incurable neurological disorder that nothing can be done for. And so uh, it's, it's, it's not something our medical system has encouraged people to look at. Mm-hmm. A big part of that is that it's, it's, uh, it's demanding a model change in our medical system. Mm-hmm. Our medical system is built on a, a Cartesian model, Descartes, which says that you know, the body's like a machine. If you replace one part and plug another one in, well, it should just keep going the way a car does. And the reality is that we're, we're an ecosystem. And when you adjust one parameter, everything else shifts mm-hmm. to, to relate to that pattern that has been destabilized. So, so biohacking is where you look at the research and you say, okay, This is a do no harm option that I have access to in my life. And I'm going to do that experiment in my life. I am going to follow what the research tells me is effective for this particular issue. And I am going to evaluate how it's impacting me. And I'm going to share those results with others. So instead of, you know, an N of 20 or several hundred or several thousand, you've got an N of one. Your group size is one. You're testing on your own system and you're reporting to a larger group. Mm-hmm. 
about what has helped and what the data is out there about why it has likely helped. Okay, interesting. Yeah, makes sense. Um, when you were here before, you were talking about, we just started, and this is why we got you back today, talking about the effect of nature on, on autism and in, environment. So would you like to tell us a little bit more about that direction of, you know, you found great benefit yourself in being in a natural environment, and you've obviously from that time done a lot more work, and I know you're working, working on another project you're going to tell us about as well. So let's talk about the nature angle. Okay. Well, I'm going to dig back to where I talked about those thousands of factors mm -hmm. that have to be within certain ranges of tolerance. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, if you think about um, oxygen, since the Industrial Revolution, the amount of oxygen in the air has been very, very, very gradually dropping off. And the number of toxins in the air has been rather steeply climbing, you know, exponentially. And the thing that's very interesting about oxygen is oxygen is one of the things that helps our bodies detox. So as the oxygen levels go down and the toxins that we need to detox go up, our capacity is gradually further and further undermined. So mm. there's the interplay of all kinds of different mm. factors in our environments. And the other thing to keep in mind is range of tolerance. You know, if you look at oxygen, and most of us have had that experience of being in a library that didn't have enough airflow, and the brain just starts to not work. You slow mm -hmm. down, you're sleepy, you can't cudgel it to get done what it needs to get done. And then as soon as you walk out into the fresh air outside the building, it's like the fog has lifted. No, that is oxygen. And oxygen, if we get a little bit too low, the brain doesn't function well. If we get a little too high, the brain doesn't function well in different ways. We get giddy, mm -hmm. all kinds of things. If we get way too much, we die. If we get way too little, we die. But mm -hmm. right in the middle is that sweet spot, the Goldilocks range, the just right, that it really allows our systems to thrive. And what's happened is we've moved outside of a lot of those ranges of tolerance, uh, nutritionally, toxicity-wise, hydration, all kinds of ways. And when you go back in nature, you are in the environment that we mm -hmm. evolved to adapt it to over thousands and thousands of years. And we're away from many of the things that are most damaging to us. And mm -hmm. so when you spend time in nature, most people, you know, the, the, the data that's out there on people who don't have autism, don't yeah. have learning challenges, is that, you know, the, there are immune benefits for children, there are socialization and emotional balance benefits, there are, um, there are stress relief benefits, like very, very, very clear benefits of spending time in nature for everyone, to the degree that forest bathing for one hour can have three months worth of health benefits on your cardiovascular really? and stress management wow. system. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so, you know, there's fabulous data out there, but what's really interesting is that when you put an autistic in a natural environment, you'll often see up to 10 times the gain in function in someone with autism that you would with someone without. Mm 
without and yeah. that is because their system has been under so much stress from the cumulative stressors in our normal not very healthy environments right. but when you put them in a de-stressing environment all of a sudden everything starts to be able to function so much better mm. there's so many pieces yeah. to that so I've got to jump in with, sorry, Kathleen, a, a quick one that's triggered something in my mind. As, as I probably told you last time, I spent most of my life in Africa. And if I look at the rural black population in Africa, I, I never heard or read about an African child with autism. Right? They go to school barefoot, most of them. They have, live a very simple life, no TV, no electronic games. They're always outside and they eat, a, I wouldn't think, so it's a most healthy diet, but it's natural food. It's, although it's corn, uh, not a lot of meat and uh, they don't drink, many of them never see a Coke. And these kids seem A, happy and B, not to have learning problems. So would, would your research indicate that people in, in unindustrialized countries um, are better off in many ways? Well, again, it depends on the environment. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, some unindustrialized places are yet very toxic because of the kinds of activities they've chosen to, right. to do in those areas. So it, it really has uh, less to do with how rural a place is and more to do with how natural a place is. Okay, <clears throat> right. Uh, you know, the closer it is to what would uh, what would be a healthy ecosystem in that particular environment, the more likely you are to see healthy pe people of all ages and very little in the way of learning and developmental challenges. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Sorry, Kathleen, back to you. I jumped in there. That's all right. Um, you currently have a project on Manit Manitoulin Island in, in Canada. How, can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. Um, so there are four of us, two couples who have been working on um, providing better options and better lives uh, for um, children in with developmental and, and learning challenges and youth at risk for many, many years. And about 17 years ago, we began to collaborate and about, uh, oh gosh, 10 or 12 years ago, we began to look for property because we had a sense that we could do what we wanted to do in supporting others much more effectively if we found a site that we would be able yeah. to support family activities, family events, in a, in a very inexpensive way. And so we found an eco park, a campground on Manitoulin Island. And last uh, end of last January, we purchased that eco park and um, came through our, our first year of, of scrambling to figure out how to run the place with uh, lots of challenges, but, but uh, lots of learning. And, um, we're excited because we're heading into the next year and some of our programming vision can now begin to come on stream because we've we've kind of mastered enough of how to how to how to run a campground. But that was that was the hope is that is that from a campground, which is an accessible holiday for almost everyone, and at this point, because of federal government 
um, subsidies for uh, foster children and low-income families. They've put in a, a subsidy for the next the summer that means that I think it's a, I don't know the details and I'm very sorry, but I think it's a one or two week stretch that the government will pay for the campground fees. Wow. For the family to, yeah, yeah. So that's really exciting to us because that means that our capacity to support people who are, really need this kind of support is is higher. Mm, very it's, good. And, <clears throat> on that. and is your aim to be, uh, as far as you can be with uh, the harsh winter, as you were saying earlier, Manitoulin, to be self-sufficient? Will you grow vegetables and stuff up there as part of your activities? Yes, we have one greenhouse and we're in the process of looking into funding for further greenhouses. Um, we've got chickens on site now and we'll be, uh, we'll be aiming to have more, um, more farm animals on site in very mm -hmm. limited areas, but areas that, uh, that families can have some access to um, because kids in particular um, spending time with animals. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful give and take and learning environment. And sure. uh, it's, it's, again, a part of what we thrive in and we're not thriving cut off from all the rest of life. Mm -hmm. I've got to ask you quickly, are you in touch with the Rural Ontario Institute at all? Rural Ontario Institute? No. Can you tell me more about them? Well, they are involved or trying to help all sorts of activities that take place in rural areas. And we had Gabrielle Ferguson, I think her yes. name was, who was the leader of uh, the development courses as a guest a little while back. And I think she'd be very interested in hearing what you're doing on Manitoulin Island. So I will connect you with by email um, and you can then tell her you prefer text, whatever. Um, so I think I think you, you should talk to one another she may be able thank to you. find some funding and some help for you so yes okay that's interesting that would be wonderful thanks so much all right okay um we're getting towards the end of our time so i've got to ask you quickly we've all faced two years of restrictions with this virus um has that impacted more on on people who already have the stress of that's caused autism than others have you noticed is is it a a big problem or, or are people taking it in their stride? What's your observance? What are, what are your observations on that? Um, it's, a, it's really interesting. Uh, one of the challenges when, when you have autism and when your brain is inflamed, it's your, your every sense is gathering more information than most of the people around you right. sensory right. systems are. And that takes a lot of processing and it uses up supplies much faster than most people run through mm -hmm. those supplies. So the more peaceful an environment is, the better an autistic does in that environment. Oh, okay. And a lot of schools are not very peaceful environments. They're, they're high toxicity, they're high noise, they're high, um, you know, they're, they're very hard on a sensory system. They're not, they're not built for beauty <laughs> on any level. And um, so autistics themselves are doing generally a little better during yes. COVID. However, families who are having to spend a lot more time supporting their autistic children are struggling more because they're recognizing 
the degree of impact that it's having on their lives. Right. So uh, there have been a lot more uh, autism parents who are working online and who are networking online with other autism parents. There's been a lot more hunting for solutions because when you're, when you're with an autistic 24 seven, you're just that much more aware of how many challenges Mm. autism poses not just for the individual but for everyone around them mm. right that makes yeah i can I, I understand what you're saying it makes a lot of sense yeah wow i hadn't thought of that yeah interesting well jackie we're almost out of time but how do people contact you how do they find out about your project on manitoulin island okay so the website is manitoulinecopark.com can you repeat uh, that? so manitoulin m-a-n I-T-O-U-L-I-N, Ecopark, E-C-O-P-A-R-K dot com. Okay. And uh, my, my website is thrivewithautism.ca. And there's a button there that people can book a 20-minute uh, consult for free um, through through a booking software so if they want to get in touch with me they go to thrive t-h-r-i-v-e with w-i-t-h autism a-u-t-i-s-m dot c-a great i'll put both of those as captions and also in the description of the interview and that'll be available for audio so anyone listening and not watching to this look in your description you'll have both of those links to get hold of jackie for either or the project. Thanks, Jackie. You've been an absolute delight, Jackie. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for being with us today. And once again, thank you all for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, take care, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye.